0: It's Wednesday the 10th of March Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive Tim Gilbert here's Shane Lee Wasn't it great to have a chat with Ian Botham?
1: It was absolutely brilliant mate And uh, yeah as I said uh, yesterday it was, um, He was a real hero of mine growing up And it was great to, uh, to have him on the show He still, he still talks and, and feels young doesn't he? Yeah, he certainly does. And, of course, broke our hearts in 1981.
0: What a player he was. But we move on. Today's got a real athletics feel. Steve Solomon, he'll be there in the 400 in Tokyo. Of course, John Stephenson was at many Olympic Games. They are both on today. So Shane, Eddie Maguire, this is interesting, footy classified, of course, it's one of the TV shows he's done uh, over the years and Caroline Wilson, uh, a very famous AFL journalist who is part of that program, is really uncertain as to whether he'll be there when the first show is on because of what's gone down over the past few weeks.
1: Yep, and uh, there's a lot of people around Eddie Maguire really concerned and um, you know he seems obviously really flat and disillusioned following um, you know his, his exit as chairman. 20-odd-year um, reign at Collingwood. Um, and then on the top of that, in you know, the death of Michael Kodinsky. So he seems really flat. And, yeah, Caroline Wilson saying that she's not sure whether he'll even feature to host the Footy Classified show. So, yeah, watch your space. Uh, Eddie's not, uh, not, in, not in a good way at the moment.
0: What about Mitchell Pearce? Uh, look, there's no, there's no proof to this, but some rumours circulating on uh, TV shows that uh,
1: he actually injured his thumb in a street fight. Yeah, well Paul Kent's alleging that he broke his thumb in a street fight and um I think we joked on the show saying it was probably overused from texting. <laughs> but uh yeah, Mitchell Pierce uh, he he seems to have drama, follow him wherever he goes and um you know this is obviously post the breakdown um you know the sexting scandal with uh, an employee at the Knights, um resulting in his wedding being cancelled. So Mitchell Pierce he can get a headline but Generally always for the wrong reasons. He's been
0: named in the side. He can play football. So let's just hope for Newcastle's sake that he and his own sake that they can get it all together there. Now, uh, let's have a look at this cricket. Adelaide, uh, Dave Warner off to a cracking start. You would have been happy as a former New South Wales captain. The way the Blues
1: chased down that total. Yeah, great win by the New South Wales Blues and um that takes them to the top of the table. Um they won with only twelve balls to spare and you know Dave Warner and his comeback match uh twenty four only twenty four runs in the first innings, but uh got the Blues off on the run chase. They were chasing two hundred and ninety four on the last day, and Warner got him off to an absolute fly. He scored 69 of 109 balls, but it was it was Sean Abbott who was on our show yeah. only a few weeks ago, and we were really talking up Sean. He scored a brilliant 83, and the captain on Reeks was 78 and not out. So well done to the Blues, great win. And what about Marcus
0: Harris? Temper, 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 temper. I didn't know that he had this in him. I, I suppose when anyone gets out, they're not happy, particularly if they don't think they're out. But he's been banned for a
1: match for equipment abuse down there in Tasmania. Mania, yeah, the old abuse of equipment clause. Um, this is the second time it's happened to him this year, um, so he's actually going to be suspended for a game. But uh, yeah, he seems frustrated and he's clearly feeling pressure now because, as we have spoken in the last week or so, there's plenty of runs being scored domestically around Australia leading into the next this this year's Ashes, um, and he's missing out. So there's a bit of pressure on him to um, to maintain his spot in the team. But look, I remember playing with Michael Bevan and. Um, I tell you what, he could abuse some equipment when he got out. <laughs> what was, what, what, what was, what happened? Tell me. Well, we used to call him bev attacks. So once he left the rooms, um, uh, he'd come back in the rooms and, and pretty much destroy his gear. And there was many times I walked in to go to the toilet and, all his gear was in the toilet. (laughs) Being flushed. Being flushed, yeah. He'd had enough of it.
0: Not happy with what happened out in the middle. (laughs) Goodness gracious. All right, well, look, the bat that we have got at the moment and we're getting a series of uh, footballs being signed as we launch into the the winter sports. All you need to do to be a winner with us and our podcast on Afternoon sport. This beautiful bat, first up, signed by Chris Gale. It's a Spartan bat and it's available for for someone. This is the way to win. Follow the podcast, go to Apple, do a review of our podcast, take a screenshot, tweet it out, tagging us in, and someone will be the winner of that cricket bat and a number of signed balls as we get through to the footy season. So there's opportunities there to win, but we've got a lot of sport to talk about today, Shane. Let's get going. Afternoon Sport. Coming up on afternoon sport, well, John Stephenson, he's done it all, hasn't he, in athletics? John Stephenson, as I live and as I breathe. to Gilman, Shane, are oh you boys?
2: Hey, listen, I know this is not the right forum. Mm. We, surely we've got to talk about Prince Harry. And Meghan Markle, man, surely we could talk about it. Wasn't that riveting? Like, like television and Oprah, and just you know, now that the royal family is is racist. Like, it's just, wow,
0: that was some television, man. Yeah, well, it would almost fall in the banner of sport, wouldn't it? Do you think Megan might have had any idea that she was marrying a royal when she did it? Just a little bit of an inkling that she might be going into a palace. <laughs> like, hey,
2: did was like, did you do any research? Did you know what you're signing up for? She's like, no, no, no not at I, all. I thought he worked for the public service. <laughs> but the thing is, like, she honestly – deserves an Oscar, man. Like, mm. like her delivery was impeccable. Even Oprah, best supporting actress, I think she can get she can get a nomination for yeah. that as well. And then my boy, my boy Harry, I could he was he was a bit shaky with his acting game, but I did feel for the guy with his mom and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, we're digressing, but it was I had to bring it up, man, because it, it's it's a hot topic right now. And I think, yeah.
0: Yeah, don't worry, it, w- it, was, it was fair sport. And you'd have to say that she was probably a B-greatish actor and, and she did some great, great acting there, uh, according to your definition. All right, let's move on to something else uh, which is equally as bizarre, if not more bizarre, old mate in Russia, MMA fighter. Hey, there's some petroleum jelly. Let's put it in my biceps. COVID-19 comes around and he tries to
2: de-petroleum jelly and he can't get it done. Yes, Timmy, for those that don't know, Tim's referring to a young MMA fighter by the name of Kirill Tereshin, who very famously wanted big biceps, and he became a bit of an internet sensation where he injected petroleum jelly uh, Im- implants into his biceps, and essentially they've now become infected, and if you go on the internet and look up this guy, it, he honestly looks like Popeye, like, and they call yes. him the, the Russian Popeye, and... Um, he's had an MMA fight, wasn't very successful, fought a guy, 12 years his senior, uh, lost in the first round. And he's he's done some internet kind of like weird street fights and just this just, just really attention seeking sort of behavior. So this guy is honestly a definition of a master poor kid. And now he's gotten that infected he has to get surgery in order to like essentially survive to live where, where they're now saying if he, once he gets the surgery, there's a, a main nerve that runs down, which essentially controls your arms and that could be affected. So this guy could lose use of his arms. So um, as much as we laugh and joke about it, the serious side of this for those that are got, you know, that that, that body dysmorphia you know, and it's funny enough, we talked about mental health uh, our last um, episode that I was on, um, but we, we know women can get body dysmorphia, but there's men out there also that are not, happy with how they look and they go to huge extremes in order to get that desired look
0: oh you're making me feel bad now about the way I presented it I just I just read the story and I thought goodness gracious me what's going on here
2: no it's it's when you see it everyone have the first reaction you have Tim I mean it's it's crazy it's it's absolutely wild the guy literally looks like a like a, a real Popeye.
0: Mm. okay well you certainly made me feel bad about that I'd like to retract everything I've said because you know he's a lovely lovely bloke and I might have to make a call. Okay, let's move on. Motorsport. Um, look, they're 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 talking big, aren't they? Red Bull talking big. We're going to bring down Mercedes. Is
2: is it just talk, John? Oh, Timmy, I, I I I I'm always one that downplays all these news articles on. We're going to kill them next year. This car's going to do this. We've got this new driver. We and and I always downplay it because I think you know the cream rises to the top, and Lewis winning seven has shown that. Mercedes have shown that as a constructor. Um, But the word on the street around Formula One, around the media traps, is that Red Bull are really coming to play ball. The reasons being, they've got a new gearbox. Now, second reason, Honda, at the end of the season last year, confirmed that this will be their last season. Meaning that, all their preparations for 2022, they're going to take all that technology and plans and put it into 2021 and not wait for 2022, meaning they feel the engine power unit they're going to use is going to be far superior using the 2022 plans and technology that are hoping to use in the 2021 mm. car. So put those things together, plus how we raced in Abu Dhabi in the last race, Max Verstappen, how great the Red Bull was. And we all know Red Bull always had a great chassis in the car. I don't think we should take this lightly. I think Red Bull will mm. attack Mercedes next year. I think the driver combination of Perez and Verstappen are two of the, the most aggressive drivers in the field. Um, they have not revealed their Red Bull car. For those that haven't followed this story, Red Bull had an unveiling of their 2021 season car. They actually rolled out last year's car. They kept the real car hidden. So no one's been able to get actually get uh, any fo- um, photographs or any footage of what this new car looks like. Meaning they're trying to hide something. Um, so, what, what I'm going to throw in, the curve I want to tell you, the, our listeners, and what I want to tell you, Tim and Shane, is mm-hmm. I reckon it's a watch this space. Every time this has happened, when it happened with Ferrari, happened with, with, um, with Racing Point last year, when there is a new part that comes out, people start complaining in the paddock find the team saying, investigate, investigate, this can't be legal. So Mm -hmm. I would say this is a watch this space. I reckon we'll find out through the season that this might become a bit of an issue. Maybe the gearbox, maybe the engine management system and and the engine power unit. So I'm saying watch this space. There's more to the story, but I do think Red Bull going to come all guns blazing, but I still got my money on the silver arrows or what the black and silver arrows, now what they are. And will say there's mm. Lewis Hamilton, Toto Wolff and Valtteri Bottas.
0: All right. Uh, Israel Folau. Now I predicted, uh, not that I'm any groundbreaking predictor, that he will come back into the competition, the NRL I mean, via a Queensland team. Now the Queensland Rugby League have thrown... This idea that they'll sign a contract which is one step closer to him coming back where are you on the Israel front?
2: the self-righteousness of how people talk about Israel and who he is as a person and what and and and, and, and what he still owes the Australian public and everybody on I, I think is absolute BS and, and uh, it just it blows my mind how self-righteous people are they just have to take this little look in their own backyard and to see what this guy really said and what his beliefs and what he stands for now. I'm, I'm definitely against homophobia. I'm all about equality. I've, you can just Google and, or YouTube and see what I, my beliefs are. On that. I'm all about it. But it comes a point in time now where we, we learn to accept people's viewpoints and views. And we learned, I don't need Israel to educate my home and my family. So uh, I think it'll be great to see him play rugby. My only question mark I have, he's now in his 30s. Um, is he the same player than what what he was um, he didn't really perform that well for the Catalans you know that's my only question mark I hope we can see the best of Israel he's a phenomenal player you can't
0: we agree you can't banish someone forever you just can't do it and and look at 30 at 31 I think he's got the ability yeah, but,
2: but I don't know how we let woman bashes drug cheats alcoholics and we we, we give them a smack and then we jog and then we celebrate them right but this guy all of a sudden he's just he's just the, the the
0: baddest man on the planet oh yeah and and i I agree lots of people need to go to the room of mirrors and have a good look at themselves and you you almost need to have to quote the bible again and say that those that haven't sinned cast the first stone because that that you see a lot of that stuff you see a lot of people want to criticize you see it all the time gets me back to feeling guilty about what i said about the russian guy but there's no hard feelings i hope he's okay i really really do now just finally and seriously um Steve Solomon, Uh, this guy is a very, very impressive young man. I met him with you out at the Sydney Cricket Ground during the test match. He is the captain of the athletics team, and he's going to come up on the show shortly. Uh, I'm looking forward to having a chat with him. Stevie Beeman,
2: if those who have followed athletics would very famously remember that the media pinned Steve and I against one another in 2012, saying that I had an issue with Steve, and Funny enough, Steve and I actually became very close mates because of that, because you seek salvation with your own team, right? You, you, because you're going through the same thing with a question mark of, I don't know where the media got this, this sort of story from. So uh, I've helped Steve and mentored Steve since the 2012 Olympics, and I think he's a phenomenal talent. What he did when he was 18 was brilliant. I still think he's still got a bright future. He's still relatively young, but track and field's a brutal sport, and and I think he's, he's, he's facing um, that at the moment, and I'm sure you'll discuss that with him, and um, he knows that it's do or die for this Olympics for him to really make his mark and, and try and become world-class. He's never really hit that, that, that world ranking yet or been able to run sub-45 a number of times, but he has all the ability to do so. And off the track, he's a phenomenal human being. He comes from a great family. And he's just a lovely human being just in general. And he's a very, very smart man. And um, it's a real pleasure to call him a friend. And it's awesome working with him. He, he's, he's like a sponge. He, he's, um, and, you know, he deserves all the backing of Australia. And I wish him all the best coming into, into Tokyo.
0: Yeah, well, we look forward to having a chat with Steve Solomon. I always get upset when it ends, John. It was so much fun. We will do it again on Friday. I'm We're just gonna have to hoping wait till next my week. man
2: from Russia with the 60 centimetre biceps listen to my podcast about mental health because you sure gave him a slamming both today. So I just hope that he, he knows I'm there and I'll support him no matter what you say, Tim. All right, buddy. <laughs> See you, Tim. Love you, show. See you guys. Bye, John. Coming up on Afternoon Sport,
0: well, he's going to be there in the 400 in Tokyo, Steve Solomon. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players, and clubs to share stories, match results, memories, and experiences. Stump2stump.com. All right, we are just months away from the Olympic Games of Japan. Of course, the 2020 Games that are going to be held in 2021. And it's a real treat to have uh, the captain of. The Athletics team, Steve Solomon on the line. How are you, Steve? I'm very well, Tim. How are you doing?
1: Very good. Steve, Shaneley here, mate. Um, you must be really excited uh, leading up. It's not far away now.
0: It's a really exciting
3: time to be speaking about the games because yeah. for so long, it, 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 is, it has felt like such a long and prolonged journey. And now that we're in March already of 2021, which I think everyone is... Uh, looking at regardless of whether you're preparing for the games or not, is like, wow, the year's moving quickly. But it definitely feels palpable. And, uh, yeah, it's, only, it's less than 150 days until we'll be taken to the track. So it's uh, it's an exciting
0: period for sure. Yeah, that's scary when you think in terms of that. Can you feel it now? Can you feel like you can touch it? Of course, the numbers, the vaccination numbers are starting to really roll out in the USA, the UK. We're seeing some semblance of that big COVID ship turning in the right direction? Very much so. Uh,
3: You you know, I've always remained confident and optimistic from the day the Games were postponed that they would go ahead uh, in 2021. But the the state of COVID globally now, you know, to be able to see the numbers come out of Israel about the effectiveness uh, of the vaccine and then Mm. to see the rates of the UK and the US are rolling it out, I think... Um, while I'm currently unvaccinated here in Australia, we're only just starting to roll it out now. I think by July, which is when we will be setting off to Tokyo, you know, a very large percentage of the world will hopefully have had the opportunity to be vaccinated and especially those of us in a, in a, in a position to, to be travelling overseas will have had the vaccine here as well. So very confident that um, the Games are going to be held in a very safe way. And I think the Japanese of any country that you would want planning a games around a pandemic and looking out for the health mm. and safety of the athletes and also those attending the games and other capacities um, is, is first and foremost. So I think I'm, I'm feeling very confident and safe with how it's all going to go ahead.
1: Yeah. Fingers crossed. So, so let, let's rewind 2012. You're, you're a young teenager. You make the 400 meter final. What's changed between now and then? And, and how, how do you feel going into this Olympics?
3: It's a good question. I mean, yeah. I've gotten older. That's one thing that's certainly yep. changed. Um, the, the, the other parts, not so much, you know, I'm still, I'm still running the same event. I'm still, um, looking to, to step up from, from where I left in London. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the big changes has been, obviously London was 2012 and, and the, and the games between Tokyo here in 2021 and, and London, 2020, 2012 was Rio. And I, and I missed out on those. I was never able to get, um, back from an injury. So I think um, one of the things that definitely has changed is kind of my maturity as an athlete and I'm really looking forward to Tokyo and have been looking forward to, to Tokyo for a long time to finally get a chance to, to take a step again from, from where I was in London. And, and, and it's such a thrill to be able to represent your country at, sure. at an Olympic games. And so I think while what yeah. has changed in me as a person, you know, the things that I'm doing and the goals that I'm achieving and, and in, in that respect, I think that it's quite nice to say that that hasn't changed.
0: It's such a blue ribbon event, the 400 metres. And I was there in London covering it for Channel 9. And it was one of the real stories uh, of of the games for me because athletics is just – that much harder than so many other sports, you know, to even make the final. What was it like at that age to be in an Olympic final at that, uh, will they say the greatest games, uh, you know, they weren't far behind Sydney, but I've got to have Sydney still just ahead. Totally. Totally. Well, you know, it was a little bit of youth
3: naivety. I would, I would probably say, you know, going into London, um, I, I had the goal of making the final, which if you look kind of from a statistical point of view, I, I never should have had. Because if you, if you think about the mm-hmm. Olympic Games, you know, we take the 48 best athletes in the world. And then after the first round, we we ask half the field to go home. Uh, you know, <laughs> we've got, and, and there's mm-hmm. only 24 left in the semifinal. And then we get even more cutthroat and we say, well, we're only taking eight now of the 24 of the 48 that we already cut the day before through the final, and um, I was very fortunate. I had like a magical run in London. You know, I ran a personal best time in the heat. I won my heat. To win a heat at the Olympic Games was amazing. Gee, I, was I didn't. I didn't sleep that night because I had so much adrenaline heading into the semi-final, and then um, and then was able to run again a personal best time in the semi-final to advance to the final. So, you know, it was it was kind of a an experience that I wasn't able to fully kind of crystallize until probably much later, um, many years later of what I was able to do there and then um, has have, have had the opportunity now to reset um, and rethink on, on everything that went right for me in London. And I've had some experiences along the time between now and then that haven't gone right for me. So I'm finally feeling very confident about the plan that I'm bringing into the Tokyo Games and uh, the goals that I have for them.
1: Well said, mate. And Steve, like it's fine. Like to be to represent your country at any level, it's it's a it's a it's a great achievement. But it must be really tough. Like for the Olympics, it comes along every four years, which means you have to be the right age at the right time, not injured and performing. What, what, what does an Olympic athlete do in between? I, I know you work at is it Uber Eats, like a full time job. How, how do you manage the work life balance? It must be tough. It's a big job too.
3: It is. It, it is tough. Um, I think. What the Olympics does is, is it gives us like this amazing mountain to climb for a period of four years. Mm-hmm. And it tests us in ways that nothing else in life does test you. Um, you know, Between Olympic cycles, although it's four years, we, we break that down into, into smaller cycles. We've got the world champs and the Commonwealth Games and things like that. But what makes the Olympics so special is kind of also what makes it um, so elusive, which is the idea that, you know, one injury or one misstep or one thing that goes wrong in training, or you know, getting sick at the wrong time. Mm. You know, there's so so many things that 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 can factor into performance. So I think one of the things that COVID has shown us throughout throughout the net for the last year is how important it is to make sure that you're giving yourself and your commitment to the sport a hundred percent. But also, and there is room, uh, in my opinion, to have things outside of the sport that you invest your time and energy into because the brutal reality is that training is too tough from my experiences to do um, as a sole event. Like you need to have an outlet, um, whether it's study, whether it's work, um, whether it's social, you know, you've got to be able to have something to balance the ruthlessness that you need to be able to bring every day to training because if you try and, well, in my experiences, if I try to bring that to everything that I did, um, I just wouldn't be successful, and I think mm. what COVID has done is it's given athletes, um, Olympians, and otherwise, uh, it's 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 not given them the opportunity as much as it's forced them to have a look in the mirror and say, "Well, I'm not competing right now. Mm. I'm not um, participating in my sport. Um, what else do I do?" And I think that's been a beautiful. Um, oh, well said. Part of COVID uh, is that we've been able to reinvest in relationships. We've been able to re-pick up skills um, that will help for the transition, uh, both during and away from sport. So I think there are a lot of things that the athletic world has taken away from COVID, um, and it's just great to see that we're now moving away from that uh, with the, those experiences and towards an Olympic Games later this year, which I think will be very ce- celebrated and remembered um, from those both competing and, uh, and spectating.
0: Yeah, I, I can't wait for it. I really can't. And look, the world has been tipped on its head. We know that. And uh, with what you just articulated there has come this this great issue of not being able to compete, not being able to travel. And I know that you can compare times um, because yeah, that's the beauty and that's all that can be compared at the moment. But there's so many other things that go into comparison and competition. So how, how, how do you make up for that um, heading into a Games, as you say, 150 days away?
3: The way I do it is, I draw my performance team around me. So my coaches, uh, be it my strength coach, Jake Holt, my running coach, Penny Gillies, uh, my physiotherapist, Brent Kirkbride, we all come together um, and we and we form a plan of, of how we're going to approach it these next 150 days. And that is what gives me the confidence in being able to step out on the track in, in Tokyo and be able to give the best performance I can because Uh, as much as I would love to be able to be racing my competitors uh, all over the world right now, it's just not the reality of it. So I think the next best thing that we can do to prepare ourselves is just be very confident in the plan and be confident in the people that are part of that plan. And I'm very grateful for for the team that I have around me to, to help me through to the games. And, and that's kind of how I'm replacing um, the, the lack of international competition, which would be a, you know, which is a very important thing to have leading into the games, you know, that's that's the hardest sport it's sometimes it's easier to think of like in a team sport like if there was no one for the wallabies to play how would they prepare for games um you know we don't we we have the luxury of having some sort of intramural competition with locally here in australia and it's great to see so many 400 meter runners stepping up this year uh and hopefully creating like a really great domestic season but at the end of the day We are an individual sport uh, competing in an individual event, and I've got an individual plan that will take me through the games with a great team behind me, and and that's how I'm thinking about getting myself in the best position for Tokyo.
1: Quick question. So you're the captain of the the athletics team. Now, besides yourself, who else should we look out for? Who do you think is going to perform really well in Japan? (sighs)
3: I think if I listed all the names, we'd run out of time on the podcast. Really? <laughs> but That's good That's good to hear. I, I I really think Athletics is in a position uh, that it hasn't been for a long time uh, in Australia. I think we've got some incredible young wow. talent. We've got some super uh, exciting talent. You know, the names of Stewie McSwain uh, coming through is going to be an awesome one to watch. Uh, Jess Hull, I would look out for. Lyndon Hall, mm-hmm. I'd look out for Keely Small. Like, there's so many. Brook Stratton, yeah. you know, from from the young to the old, I think this this team is really going to be – Um, a a very high-performing athletics team. And I also am excited that I think the names that will appear at these games will also be appearing uh, in three years' time in Paris. So
0: I think we've well, got a okay.
3: lot of depth in our squad that will uh, carry us well both this year and into the
0: future. Good on you, mate. Steve, go get him in Japan, my friend. I know you're training hard. You, you balance your schedule a little bit like a magician trying to juggle a couple of chainsaws and balls. It's not easy, but you're doing a cracking job. And thanks for coming on Afternoon Sport. My pleasure.
3: Thanks so much for having me, both Shane and Tim.
0: That's it for Afternoon Sport. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. Big thank you, of course, today goes to Steve Solomon and John Stephenson and our sponsors, Shane.
1: Yeah, Spartan Sports, www.spartansportshq.com.
0: And a reminder, jump onto Apple. Do it right now. Jump onto Apple. Do a review of our podcast, Afternoon Sport. Take a photo. Take a screenshot. Tweet it out, tag us in on Afternoon Sport, and who knows, you could be winning for yourself the sign. Chris gale Batten. of course, we're getting these balls also from various football teams as the winter months approach and the footy seasons get going. Dan McHugh, our producer, a big thank
1: you. See you tomorrow. See you then, guys. Take care.